American Maritime Voices was created to help you speak up, show your pride, and when needed, push back. The future of maritime is in your hands, and its story needs to be told. Will you help tell it? Welcome back to the American Maritime Podcast, powered by Big Wig Podcasts. I'm your host, Jennifer Carpenter, and today we are delighted to have as our guest Tom Crowley, who is CEO and chairman of Crowley Corporation, a true leader and innovator in the American maritime industry. Tom, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, Jennifer, it's my pleasure. I'm really, really glad to join you today and look forward to the conversation. Well, there is so much that I want to ask you about, so uh, let's get right into it. Um, and let's just start at the beginning. Crowley has a rich history going all the way back to 1892, if I've got my numbers right. So how did it all start? How did this vision uh, really start in your family? Oh, that's, uh, that, that, that does go back a long ways, uh, but goes back to my grandfather. Uh, and uh, he was born into a family that was in the boat business, and uh, he worked with his uh, brothers and uncles and and cousins and and I got to uh, learn the boat business and as soon as he was old enough and earned enough money he bought his own rowboat and started rowing out to, into San Francisco Bay to support the sailing vessels that were coming in with supplies and and uh, taking goods uh, out of San Francisco Bay so we got we got a, we got an early start and uh, it was all at that time self-propelled that is amazing. So 130 years later, here we are. Um, what does the Jones Act mean, Tom, to you and your company and to what you've been able to do over the years? Sure. The, you know, the, the Jones Act is a longstanding law in this country, and uh, it was originally put in place to help protect um, maritime, maritime jobs and, and national security. Um, the, the Jones Act reserves... Um, uh, uh, reserves trades that are within the continental United States and Alaska, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico. Um, reserves those trades for for vessels that are owned by Americans, crewed by Americans, and built by Americans. And uh, this law was was set in place to ensure that the maritime industry would be strong in our country, and uh, that we would have access to to mariners and and vessels uh, to support our interests offshore. Yeah, fan fantastic. Um, just thinking about how far you have come as a company since the rowboat in 1892. Now you've got an electric tug on the books. Uh, you have become a leader in the development of American offshore wind, LNG bunkering. Talk to us a little bit about Crowley's leadership role in those initiatives and what role the Jones Act has played in making that kind of evolution possible. Sure. Well, we've uh, we've invested in many different maritime businesses, uh, both uh, domestically here in the United States and and internationally. Um, the 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 American business has always been our core and and a strong um, part of our part of our culture. Um, and and we we truly believe in supporting supporting that the, those maritime interests. The investments that we made, we partner with U.S. shipbuilders to to build these unique assets. In the case of the tug, it's the first all electric tug uh, to be built. And uh, we'll be operating that in California in partnership with the state and the local port authorities. 
Um, with respect to the, the LNG barge, again, we've partnered with an American yard and uh, and we've designed this this vessel specifically to to bunker LNG uh, to container ships that are that are serving uh, the U.S. ports. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, the, the Jones Act provides a, a platform from which uh, we can continue to hone our shipbuilding capabilities. Uh, where we can uh, crew these vessels and tra train the mariners on on new technologies uh, and provide uh, longstanding, uh, well, good paying jobs uh, to to Americans. And uh, and that I'm proud, obviously, to be an American owner owner, uh, which is the other requirement. Um, but uh, but I think the the real critic criticality is those those jobs, the jobs that uh, the, the Jones Act supports and and makes available. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what I love just listening to uh, to your answer there, sometimes folks act like, well, we got to choose between American jobs or really world leading innovation. And you're proven right there. No, we don't. The Jones Act is making both of those things possible at the same time. It's great. No question. And when the need arises, I, you know, I think the industry is there when when the requirement for double hull tankers came about, uh, the entire uh, tanker uh, industry came came forward and and rebuilt the fleet. Uh, when when LNG became a source of power, uh, we jumped on the opportunity and and built ships for the Puerto Rican trade along with 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 tote. Uh, and those are the first LNG powered container ships of their size uh, in in the world. And and our uh, American crews uh, got on board, never having operated an LNG ship before. And uh, we were able to train them and and get them up to speed, and and uh, they're moving all the goods to Puerto Rico that uh, are consumed there, and it's it's exciting to see that uh, the kind of technology deployed and and American ingenuity put to work, and and these jobs that will be around for a long time. Absolutely, and you know I'm glad that you mentioned Puerto Rico because Crowley is obviously a major carrier delivering essential cargoes across the Caribbean. You are a leader in the Puerto Rico trade. Can you elaborate a little bit on what the Jones Act means to Puerto Rico and what life on the island might be like without the dedicated service that Jones Act carriers like Crowley provide? Sure, I think you know. I think that uh, what, what's come come from the investment made in, in Puerto Rico, uh, Alaska, and Hawaii, for that matter, is that there's a dedicated service. These vessels were were built uh, for um, for that trade specifically, so they carry the cargoes that are that are required. And I think that that without that, um, these these locations would be served as go-by services from from international carriers and would be an afterthought we've we've dedicated service and and our ships are are in the case of Puerto Rico a two and a half day transit time and we we literally are are the shelves of the local grocery store carried aboard our ship our ship and if that ship does not show up uh, those shelves are empty so we're, we understand the the critical nature of that trade, how important our supply chain is that that's been built, uh, and we want to ensure that that products get delivered and and are on the shelves and available uh, when they're needed, and and I just don't I don't think that would happen if if there wasn't a dedicated trade uh, between between the U.S. and and Puerto Rico, and for that matter uh, Hawaii and Alaska as well. 
Yeah, you know, Tom, I think that's a lesson a lot of people had to learn during the pandemic. The idea, you know, reliability, could we have empty shelves here? Yes, we can. And the Jones Act and the dedicated service that companies like Crowley provide ensures that we don't. Welcome to American Maritime Voices, your place to be heard. As part of American Maritime, you are critical to moving and securing our country. And now you can help tell the story of Maritime and be part of key decisions that affect it. American Maritime Voices was created to help you speak up, show your pride, and when needed, push back. It's free to become a voice, and we'll keep you informed of what's happening in Washington so you can help change the course of issues that matter most to you. As a voice, you'll get monthly updates, have access to podcasts and videos, and receive action alerts when your voice is needed most. The future of Maritime is in your hands, and its story needs to be told. Will you help tell it? Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. a little bit, talk about national security, because that's obviously a, a huge part of the Jones Act value proposition. Crowley is a significant partner with MARAD, with the Military Sealift Command. Just talk a little bit about the role of the American maritime industry in national security, in Sealift, in keeping our country strong and secure. Yeah, the, the American uh, maritime industry has uh, really built a very strong relationship with the Department of Defense and in terms of supporting our, our interests in the, in the maritime sector. Uh, having, having Americans available uh, to operate ships, I think there's nothing more important uh, in, in terms of national security than to have that capability. For, for us to, to give, up, um, give up American mariners as, a, as an occupation or as a capability uh, would be so short-sighted, and and DoD recognizes that they understand that, uh, and they've worked very very closely with us to ensure that the national security element of of the Jones Act is understood, and and people understand the consequences uh, of 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 not having that availability of of an American mariner. I think it's I think it's critical, and and uh, I think that the Department of Defense agrees with that. Yeah, here, here, here. Uh, and you have certainly put your money where your mouth is when it comes to trying to develop the American Merchant Marine, being very generous uh, with scholarships. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what Crowley has done, is doing, to um, foster the American maritime workforce that is so important to our supply chain and our security. Yeah, well, I, I think you know the the end result is the the mariner uh, if they can get through the uh, the education and licensing uh, uh, portion of of becoming a mariner, uh, they're fantastic jobs. They're great opportunities. They're they're uh, there's good pay. Um, there's uh, great teamwork, leadership, all kinds of all kinds of skills that 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 you'll learn. And so you know we feel investing in 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 educate in the educational aspect of that is going to give us a higher quality uh, mariner uh, at, at the end of that process. And it's proved to be the case. And, and these mariners uh, sail aboard our vessels. They, they 
sometimes come ashore, become leaders, you know, leaders in our company. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that there's there's just uh, it's it's a great investment. It's a, it's a great investment in our future. And, and the, the uh, young folks that are joining our industry are very impressive people. They're, you know, the, some of them have grown up in the maritime industry and, and know, uh, you know, a tremendous amount. They come from, you know, lines of, of, of parents and, and uncles and grandparents that have been mariners in the past. But then you have others that have never uh, been to sea or even, even know what a ship is for that matter. And uh, so it's wonderful to see those people learning about this industry and and uh, and going to sea on a on a vessel and and it's just it's incredibly eye opening and and very rewarding for for us to to help uh, help move move these young people in, into our industry and so important. Oh, that is fantastic. And you know there are so many new opportunities emerging for American Maritime right now, offshore wind is just front and center in my mind. And Crowley is a leader in developing this great new American Maritime opportunity. Can you talk a little bit, Tom, about how you see the offshore wind opportunity evolving for our country uh, and for the maritime industry? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think even in our 130 plus year history, we've we've never seen uh, anything like this before. Uh, it's an industry that really doesn't exist today. It's been talked about for for many years, but but no, nothing has really uh, materialized, and and we're on the cusp of that uh, as we speak. And that this industry, it's it's rare for a country like the United States to see an industry that it it hasn't seen before. The, a, a brand new brand new industry. Um, that that needs to be supported needs to be supported with all kinds of of uh, service and capability um, from from the construction all the way to to the maintenance and and, and ongoing operations of those wind farms. So the, the 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 need for renewable power is clearly upon us, and um, and the offshore the offshore resource that's that's available um, is has not been tapped. Uh, but it's it's about to, and 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 the opportunities are really endless uh, in terms of of new jobs um, and uh, new capabilities that that must get developed. So we've we've put that in the forefront of of our um, future strategy, and and we want to be uh, a major player in that in that space. It's really exciting stuff. Can you elaborate a little bit, Tom, on the reliability that American Maritime provides um, to the development of offshore wind? And what do you need? What do companies like Crowley need uh, regulators, partners to understand and to do in order to be able to really tap into that? Yeah, I think a lot of things need to come come together uh, for us to to. Uh, be successful in in building out the the scale and scope of of the wind farms that are that are being planned. So uh, we've you know have to work very closely with labor. Uh, we have to work very closely with the shipbuilding industry to make sure that the capabilities exist uh, with respect to innovation and design and and the building of vessels. Um, then the the crewing, the training, all of the aspects of of putting people out into that environment safely um, and and with the skills needed to to get the job done. So I think it's it's critical that that we all work together. Um, and then with federal and state um, and even local communities, the the importance that this 
plays and in, in, in generating jobs and, and, and investments in, in communities, it's, it's critical that we, we work together to, to make this happen because no, no one entity can, can do it alone. It's, it's really a, a, a question of teamwork and, and bringing the components together to, to, make, uh, to make this happen. Yeah, we really are building a whole new industry from from the ground up in the U.S. What do you say to critics, Tom, who say, you know, all of that is going to be really, really expensive? Um, can we afford to rely on American Maritime and American Mariners, uh, or is that going to slow the build out of offshore wind by making it too costly? Yeah, I mean, there, there are many elements of of cost to, to building offshore, and and uh, the, it's it's certainly going to be more expensive than building onshore. There's there's no question about that. And the American market, uh, American geography, also creates different issues than uh, than Europe. But uh, but I think the the innovation innovative capabilities that we've brought to the table with respect to using um, uh, construction vessels, but by creating a supply chain. Uh, with uh, with tugs and barges to be able to shuttle the parts and pieces out to, to build the farms is going to create a, a very efficient process. And we've done a lot of testing and and we've done a lot of um, uh, of work to understand what that operation uh, is going to entail. And uh, we're putting the parts and pieces together to ensure that that capability exists and that we're there to to help support the um, the construction of the wind farms and the ongoing operation and and support. Uh, we have a, um, a vessel under construction, a service vessel that will be able to go out and service uh, the wind farm after it's built. So whether it's construction or, or ongoing service, um, I think American companies are, are here, are here to support and here to make the necessary investments uh, for the future. It's really exciting stuff. Uh, so Crowley recently announced plans to bring your offshore wind expertise to Northern California. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you have in mind there and how that is going to change the supply, strength, supply chain structure and the job market for the better. Sure. Well, we have a soft spot in our heart for California, having having started in San Francisco Bay. So it's 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 great to to be back in in Humboldt County. Uh, where where we believe there's a, a real opportunity to support the offshore wind industry that's beginning to unfold on the West Coast, it's going to be very different than the East Coast, and uh, you know I think it's important for for us to have a, a hand in in, in both developments. Uh, it brings a different set of skills, but they're skills that we've developed over the years supporting uh, the offshore industry in other in other places. So. Uh, also, and operating in in California, we've we've been there for a long time. So, you know, I think the the opportunity is is big. There, there's no question that that the the offshore wind um, industry is is not as far developed as it is on the East Coast. So, it's probably a longer term uh, play here, but uh, but one that's uh, just as important and will require a unique, unique set of skills to uh, to really. Uh, figure out how to get that done. So much opportunity there. Um, so, you know, what's next as you look forward kind of at the American maritime industry broadly and then at Crowley as a 130-plus-year-old company in particular, how do you see the next 10, 20 years unfolding? What opportunities are you excited about? What transformation do you envision? 
Well, that's such a such a wide open question. I, th- I think uh, there, there's we've talked a lot about wind. We see that playing playing a big part. Um, what well, maybe something we haven't talked much about is technology and and what that's going to do uh, with respect to our our industry. We've, we're just beginning to see uh, the the real impacts. Well, while we've had technology isolated, you know, aboard vessels, um, and we have we have technology deployed. Um, uh, in, in our offices, the link between the two has always been uh, a real challenge. And uh, uh, six or seven months ago, we we started a, a pilot piloting a Starlink uh, satellite uh, uh, satellite communication system, and the performance of of that system uh, really just was off the charts in comparison to what we've been used to in the past. And so, you know, we really see that opening up a whole new set of opportunities. This, you know, whether it's um, collecting data aboard the vessel or improving communications, making uh, making the job on board the vessel less administratively burdensome. Um, there's there's just so many opportunities. Connecting our crew uh, with their families and with their life, uh, like like we are all connected with our phone. When you're at sea, they have not had that luxury. So, to, you know, today with investments in in technology and communications, um, I, I think there's just going to be a plethora of of new opportunities available that we don't even see today or even think about today. So, we're very excited about that, and and really excited about making the necessary investments to to get that to happen. Uh, that's really that's really exciting. Just harnessing technology to not only improve the maritime experience for the workforce, but also to make things safer, more efficient, more environmentally uh, friendly. Cool stuff. Um, Tom, I know you are an extremely busy person, and so I want to be respectful of your time before we close out this episode of American Maritime Podcast. Anything else we haven't touched on that you want to mention for our listeners? Anything you want to put a little finer point on, dig deeper into? Well, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've we've hit all the topics. I, I think that uh, the, the American maritime industry um, is strong. There's so much opportunity ahead. And I, th- I think, um, a- as I alluded to earlier, it's r- it's really the the partnerships that we need to build and and working together uh, to to really take advantage of those opportunities that are ahead. So uh, we're, we're very excited about um, what we're working on, but we're also uh, recognize that that the partnerships are, are equally important and and we want to ensure that we we invest the time and resources into to building uh, really the the capability across uh, across the entire industry. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today for all that your company does for our industry and for our country and just for taking the time to uh, share a little bit of your experience with us. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to uh, this episode of the American Maritime Podcast powered by Big Wig Podcasts. I hope that you will share it with others who are interested in learning more about the American maritime industry and how it supports our country. I also hope you'll take the time to go to AmericanMaritimeVoices.org and sign up to be a voice in support of our great industry. We need you. We are stronger when we stand together. That's all for today. I'm Jennifer Carpenter signing off.
On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one?